Open your ears and lower your expectations. There's a new podcast sweeping a very small portion of the nation. Listen now, listen fast, because this episode may be their last. He's Sean, he's Chris, you should listen to this. It's an hour you'll never get back. On SoundCloud, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Honorado and Sean Bagnardi. It is an hour you'll never get back. Chris Honorado, Sean Bagnardi. Our thanks to Kate Welshow for again for that theme song. We're on Twitter at Chris Honorado. That's O N O R A T O at Sean Bagnardi. I think you can phonetically figure that one out. Yeah. What do you think is often misspelled? More? Uh, no. What do you think is misspelled <laughs> more, more often? often? Yep. Good. Not good with sentence uh-huh. structure. Uh. Honorado or Bagnardi? Uh, Honorado, without question. Really? Yeah. The O's? Definitely I'm... more mispronounced more often, that's for sure. You go Onorado. Well, no, Ona. see, I like when Onorado. I travel to foreign countries because they say Onorato, which is really what it is. So it's not mispronounced. It's... Well, no, 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 no. I, like growing up, I would get Oronado a lot. Uh, They'd flip the R in the end. Sure. For whatever weird reason. Uh, you can email us. We actually have emails. We'll read later on here in the podcast. Ooh, I like that. Uh, uh, it's an hour you'll never get back at gmail.com. No apostrophe in the Yule. And we have a great guest this episode, Elaine Houston, a coworker of ours who profiles and spotlights women doing great things in business and in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be three experts on women all in one room. Exactly. Well, one and a quarter. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. (laughs) She's also the education reporter, um, and and we'll talk some gender, some race things with with Elaine, and look, what you and I are most looking forward to, and we've been pumping this up here for a while, is the fact that Elaine receives love letters from inmates. Prison inmates send Elaine. Yes. Yes. Love letters. Over the last decade, she mm-hmm. says, and maybe upwards of 30, 40, however many over those 10 years. That's incredible. incredible. We've I, read some. I can't wait. Uh, there's poetry involved. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to miss this. I mean, some of the writing is better than oh, writing please. we see in a business where people write for a living. <laughs> right? Yes, including you and I. That's correct. Right, yeah. Uh, big news of the week, obviously, Sean, and, and it isn't so much news as it is moment to reflect yeah. and uh, and look back on 14 years ago. My God, I can't believe it, it, it has been a, as long as it has. Um, the tragedies of 9-11. Where were you? This, is, this will always be a where were you when. Right, and it's one of the few I will never forget. You can't. No. Um, I was in 10th grade. I was in English class. So we had the fir- we had 80-minute classes when I was in high school. Oof, yeah, block scheduling. So we had basically four classes a day. But in between one and two, you had like this 20-minute break, essentially. Okay. And then I think after the third, you had lunch and then your last okay. class. But so we had – we were on that 20-minute break, and that's when I think – the second plane. Yeah, 903 heard, was the second one. Okay, and I hadn't heard even about the first plane yet. Okay. But went into English class at the time when it was clear that this was 
no longer just a tragic accident, yeah. but an intentional act. And yeah, we just we watched television all day, and it was it was something that obviously changed the world forever. Where were you? Uh, very beginning, obviously September 11th. Very beginning of my sophomore year at Ithaca. I'm in my dorm room. Forget exactly what time class I had. Maybe nine forty-five. Maybe nine fifty. It was a. It was a. It was a drama class, an acting class, part of my creative arts requirements or whatever for my broadcast journalism major. So I wake up and I did this every morning. Woke up. Uh, I think my roommate may have already had class. I can't remember exactly. I just threw on the TV good, to Good Morning America. It happened to be on ABC. And the first plane had already hit, 846. Right. First plane had already hit. So I didn't move. I mean, I was, I was getting ready to go down the hall to take a shower. Didn't move. Frozen, stuck to the TV all day. And because it was so early on in the semester in that – in the dorm, Holmes Hall on Ithaca College campus – we would leave the door open anytime you know one of us was awake because people would walk by. I tell you, you'd meet people. Okay. Yeah. To this day, some of my best friends are people who were walking by in the dorm and saw that we had the door open and the TV on and all the the breaking news. Obviously, as the as the di- as the day developed, so I was watching when nine oh three happened mm-hmm. and the second plane hit. The Do World you remember Trade what Center. you were watching? Well, well, it was Good Morning America, but actually, by the time it had, by the time the second plane had hit, I'd moved over to that's what I was the Today ask. Show. Okay, yeah, that, yep. because- And honestly, to this day, so as we record this a, a day ago on nine eleven, I've done this every day for fourteen years, and I can't believe this. Or as I, not every fourteen, but every for year. as long as MSNBC has been doing it, they rerun the Today Show like, as and, it happened, and I've watched it back. Yeah, and I've I've gone back and watched number of them from almost start to finish and by far the today show does the best no doubt it's not even close because they jump on it right away that this is now intentional correct that's and just you know jim migliszewski at the pentagon as well yep andrea mitchell said yes osama bin laden said the name osama bin laden at like 11 o'clock. Yep. You know what I mean? It was... Probably earlier. Even, probably yeah. earlier. And they just... They covered it. They nailed it. Yep. You know, the, she she had spoken to top military officials who basically told her a handful of people in the world who could have really pulled this off, mm-hmm. and he's number one on the list. And yep. that's what she said on the air hour, hour, two hours after it all started unfolding. It is obviously and easily the biggest attack, most devastating attack on our country in, in our lifetime, having not lived through Pearl Harbor. You know, I've always tried to think back to that day when Pearl Harbor was attacked and what that was like and what that meant. But obviously, without the news coverage back right. then, I don't know how, how quickly did it spread. But but both led to wars. Exactly. Right. And I view it, I, I look back on it as a day that you know, it's the most significant day that has happened during the course of my lifetime. Mm-hmm. So I can go back and watch parts of it from that aspect, but also just from someone who's now in the news business to go back and watch it from the perspective. Sure. Of how would you even? Mm-hmm. How do you even attempt to cover an event that's happening like that, full scale right. attack on the country? I mean, at that point, you know, New York gets hit, 
Washington gets hit. Now you hear about this plane crash in Pennsylvania. You don't know where it was headed, right? Right, and you're thinking there could be countless more things here coming. I mean, eventually, you know, planes were were all grounded and everything along those lines, but you still didn't know what was next. I remember feeling that almost a whole week after. Um, And then I also, because I'm fascinated by the different not conspiracy theories or anything like that, but just the different stories, the backstories mm-hmm. about who knew what mm-hmm. and when certain things happened that I can go back and watch it from from that perspective, too. So it's a very fascinating day, but obviously the, the most tragic day of our lives. Having grown up in... Would you call this upstate New York? Would you call yes. where you grew up upstate? Okay, so having grown up in upstate New York, uh, you're not very far from New York City, but I'll, I'll speak to it as someone who grew up in northern, northeastern part of New Jersey and really... You know, in a lot of ways, right across the river from New York City, we have two main train lines that that go through my hometown, and the destination is always New York City. I mean, a lot of people who work in New York want to live in that area of New Jersey. In a lot of ways, it's considered a suburb of New York. So growing up, I always connected myself to New York City. It was always a place you, you wanted to live or you wanted to visit. And so we talked about this as being journalists. And obviously the the killings that happened in Roanoke, Virginia, where you feel connected to that in a way. And and on 9-11, I felt, even though I was not in the city, I'm, I'm in central New York, in Ithaca, New York, I felt so connected to everything that happened there. I had friends who were working in the city. Um, and in that way, it, it, it takes on a greater meaning to me as well. Had it happened in Los Angeles, you just feel so far removed. Yes, it's devastating. But it, it felt it felt even more personal, if that makes sense. No, and I agree, and I felt the same way because, like you say, Chicago, L.A., it's just a little bit more detached Mm -hmm. if it happens in a place like that because New York City is, I mean, look, a lot of people... And it's iconic to a lot of people. Right, Yeah. but also, like, when you leave, when you or I leave this state and we go somewhere and we say, you know, yeah, we're from New York, I'm Mm -hmm. from Jersey, but I say I'm from New York, people automatically assume that's the city. You are kind of connected to the city by everybody else in yeah. the country anyway. But also, you grow up watching sports teams that play there. And, right. you know, you, that's the connection you have. You travel there for a number of reasons, mm-hmm. whether it's Christmas in the city or to see a sporting event. So absolutely, that's like, it's it's not the, a big city that I live in, but I've, in some ways it's like, that's my big city. So to see it happen there was different, yeah. I'll throw this out there now as opposed to waiting to the end of the podcast where we do the what are you watching what are you reading what are you listening to one thing you have to watch if you haven't seen it put your politics aside president george w bush october 30th 2001 so what six weeks removed from 9-11 the yankees are in the world series it's game three of the world series against the diamondbacks and president bush goes out and throws the best first pitch in history from the mound wearing a bulletproof vest right from the rubber right wearing a bulletproof vest and there is a 30 for 30 short espn has done a 30 for 30 short called uh the pitch go find it it's on grantland.com just google it you will find it easily it is incredible i I saw it the other day the morning of uh, the 14th anniversary of 9-11 brought chills um as as sports fans it, it uh it resonates. There's there's no doubt about that. Right, and President Bush was a guest on Mike and Mike. Yes, yeah, same I morning. Think, yep. On, was it Friday? Yep. Yeah. And that was – that really hyped me up to see it. Mm. I, I want to see this this 30 for 30 because 
And look, you said set your politics Who cares? aside. Why don't you go see this? Well, that series, set your allegiances aside. If you well, want a Dimebacks fan, yeah. it was terrible the way that series right. ended. Man, really wanted the Yankees that I year. know. And, and I'm not a Yankees fan by any means, but I was rooting for the Yankees too. Yeah, fun. <sighs> All right. Story time. I've got emails. Oh, let's do some emails. All right, let's do some emails. Again, you can email us an hour you'll never get back dot, uh, at uh, gmail.com. An hour you'll never get back. While you're pulling them up, I'm going to tease, tease our stories. Go right ahead. So you're going to tell a story about going to the doctor's office. Yeah, you, you know, you have to go to the doctor's at least once a year for the yearly physical. And, you should, yeah. and there's always just a little awkwardness and uneasiness about it. Okay. okay. And I'm going to tell a story about how I destroyed something belonging to a coworker. And how in my idiotic attempt this is to beautiful. replace it, yeah. it basically got, it was karma at work. It was, yeah. no doubt about it. Exactly. All right, here's a, an email from uh, a Mike Grady oh boy. in Denver, Colorado. And this goes back a few episodes now. Chris, fantastic coffee rant. They make me say, quote, medium hot unsweetened French vanilla coffee with cream and sugar or else it comes out disastrous. <laughs> okay. So if the order's no good, Mike doesn't get the coffee the he, way he, he wants it. He says, I figured you guys would appreciate my little Starbucks experience today. I go up, order the coffee. Dude says $2.81. I pay with three $1 bills. Dude says, have a good day. Excuse me? I say as I anticipate my 19 cents to be handed to me, have a good day, coffee dude repeats, and I walk away confused. Dude just stashes my change ducats in the tip jar. (laughs) Isn't that my job to decide if his coffee service meets the 19 cent tip quality? That's correct. How about that? Yeah, Mike, a good friend of ours. We we shouldn't have said that. Well, I tried to disguise it, but you know. But... um, I'm surprised knowing Mike. He's a coffee he, drinker. No, no. No. Oh. No, of course not. No, that he didn't just say, Where's my well, yeah, change? He's yeah. not the kind of guy who no. will just let something like that go. That's true. Um, interesting. Okay. But. Here's uh, here's another email um, signed, A Faithful Listener. Great. How about that? We'll never find the one fan we might have out there. I've been meaning to email the podcast, but I needed time to recover after a marathon Traverse Day. We've talked about that in American Pharaoh losing. Mm -hmm. Um, By the way, the subject line reads, uh, Ramblings of a Fellow Human Hater. Oh, perfect. As we've talked about people. Hate people. Uh, Number one, discourteous early risers. As someone who works a night shift, I do my part to be quiet and courteous to my neighbors when I come home at midnight or later. I expect the same in return, but far too often it isn't given. I can tell you, I can't tell you how many times the neighbor is mowing his lawn before 9 a.m., that's too early, or the yippy dog is allowed to lose his mind at the crack of dawn. Where is the respect? Short answer, there isn't any, and I don't like that. That's people. What time is the appropriate mowing lawn time on a Saturday or Sunday? Oh boy, eleven. I see. I think you, you can get away 10. ten. Yeah, yeah I, I think know. ten's okay. Ten is probably okay. Yeah, ten all right. is all right. Okay. But you know what? Yeah, come on, you can do it at any time, right? I I think so. Yeah, you're you're not that busy. You're not that important, and you're not that busy. Let's just put it out there. And you know what? I'd like for us night shift workers, as that uh, that email writer yeah. is. Yeah. We should go home. Mm. She should go home. Put on the lights and mow the lawn. Correct. Yeah. Why not? One one o'clock in the morning. Fire up the mower. <laughs> you know, go, go out in the morning and it will be a mess. Miss fifty spots. <laughs> right. But, but who cares? Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can still have a beer while you cut the grass then. What nope. are you doing? It's 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> well, this is when I'm awake. I got to get it done. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, point number two. Baby on board drivers. We've all seen the. It, I don't. It's not a window decal. It's almost like a. Maybe it is a window decal. Suction cupped on there. The. Is it a? Yeah, these people put things square. In their what is the? For I am I not just, a bumper sticker I mean, guy. I'm not doing any on. of that. All right. All right. Let me start by saying there is nothing wrong with wanting to be safe on the road. But if you're going to insinuate that I should be driving extra cautiously because you have quote precious cargo on board, then I would expect you, the parent or guardian, to set an example. Not the case, though. On more than two occasions in the past week, I was cut off and nearly run off the road by people with baby on board signs in the wind deal. <laughs> oh, wow. To that, I say, F your sign and your driving. <laughs> right. And while I'm at it, F that baby too. <laughs> wow. It will probably grow up to be another terrible driver slash human. Correct. Especially if they're, well, I don't like this. This is not right. Especially if they're from Jersey. That's not nice. Oh, see. That's I not like, nice. That is that a loyal faithful listener, listener That's not nice. Yeah, but that's that tells you that listening to multiple podcasts... Hating people and driving has been... Well, I guess we hated people in the, the driving one, too, but... Yeah. That's good, though. Yeah. I like that. So those are two good emails. Please chime in, and uh, and we'll read your emails to uh, to people who aren't listening. Why don't you start with the doctor's office? Okay, story? so I went to the doctor's the other day, and, and I'm, not afra- I'm not someone who's, like, afraid of the doctor or the dentist and what they might find, whatever. <laughs> so I set up the physical... Uh, with my doctor, and uh, and it goes, by the way, I'll say this, too. Remember the days, it, it's not the same anymore, where you'd go in, the nurse would, like, check your blood pressure, your pulse, whatever, and then she'd leave and say, um, you know, like, strip down to your underwear, the doctor will be in soon. Okay. Right. Didn't even do that. They don't do that anymore. None of that. No, you don't have to do any of that anymore. Well. So I'm sitting there fully clothed yeah. until it becomes time for the hernia check, and then you have to drop trow, but... Prior to that, you're not like then sitting on this like cold plastic bench right. that's somewhat covered up by this crinkly paper. I love that paper. I mean, what is, is the point of that paper? Unbelievable. What that if, paper. Here's the thing. What if you did away with the paper yeah. and you just got some paper towels and a spray bottle of whatever cleaning? Like the gym. Yes. And you just wipe it down after each. Is that not as good? Because here's the thing. They tell you to sit up on this thing. You have to hoist yourself up. You have to push yourself up a little right. bit to get on there. And if you don't do it full lift, straight down, the paper is now crinkled up under you. Every time you move, it makes a noise. Yeah, God forbid you lay down on that, blind, yeah, on that, on that uh, paper because it just is a mess. Right. It's a complete disaster. What's the point of that paper? Can we not graduate from that? It's time. So anyway, it's always a little awkward, isn't it? Well, let me ask When it you. comes to that time. So the doctor says... Remove all of your clothing. No, no, no. I'm, I'm in, I'm in shorts and like a button-down long-sleeve shirt. Okay. Okay. And and he says it's it it's even awkward the moments leading up to it. The, the guy's been doing it forever. He's asked a hundred people. You uh, both to know do this. it's coming, of course. And he says, "Well, you know, I have to check you for a hernia, okay. and I know. So, okay, here we go." But it's all, now you turn now, your head and you cough. Is that what did, he, did he instruct you to do that? He says, "And I just need you to cough a little bit." But you know, turn your head. Yeah. Oh, I don't understand the turning of the head. Well, I don't think they want to be coughed on, Sean. Is that all it don't is? Don't cough on me. Turn your head away from me and cough. That's all it is. Well, I'm assuming. I mean, <laughs> I haven't read that anywhere. Let me ask you something. Sure. We have technology now. Yeah. You can stick a little thing in your ear, click a button, it can tell you your temperature. Yeah. Two seconds. Yeah. 
the only way to tell if you have a hernia, or the fastest <laughs> way, is for the doctor to cup your balls and have you cough. Now, why the coughing? Is it the, is it the right. gyrating that does something? It must be. Right. And it, it might be. <laughs> what are you looking at? Like, right why, like why, why is it always the turning of the head and coughing if it isn't about just not coughing on the guy? Why, do, why don't they say cover your mouth and cough? Why does it turn your head? Yeah. Is the turning of the head. Does that have an effect? What is the angle of your neck? the lower extremities. The angle of your neck and your (laughs) testicles have to do with if you have I can't imagine anything. I don't know. Yeah, me neither. But we have all this technology. Right. There's no easier way. Uh, No, apparently not. Did you have a hernia? Uh, No, everything checked out okay. Okay, good. Yeah. It's good to know you're healthy. Well, yeah. Physically. (laughs) Right. Anyway. Exactly. Uh, All right. I was witness to your story you're about to tell. You were. Yes. So this is a number of years ago now, but yeah. it was, uh, we had an intern in our building who was here when it happened, who reminded me of it the other day. And right. I said, no, yeah. No, I'll tell a story. So we had a nightside reporter mm-hmm. who used to get a little bit athletic at night. Well, he liked to throw the <laughs> football to... or yeah, like a uh, like a stress ball right. around. Yeah. So we had I've we had, seen it. I don't know that I'd call it athletic. You, correct. You could tell what season it is. Right. If you because we have two sports. Yep. It's either brain ball, <laughs> right. which is baseball with a stress ball shaped like a brain. Yep. And a wiffle bat. Right. Or nerf football. Right. See, depending on the season, that's what we're playing after the show. Yep. Now he he is now not in the night shift, thankfully. So it has died. Yeah, and I don't mean thankfully because he's night he's great, right. but thankfully in terms of the equipment. Can't afford in the building, to break anything right. more. Our our place is like a museum. <laughs> so if you break something, you have to go to the Smithsonian. <laughs> yeah, to pretty much. It. Right. Okay, so they don't make that anymore. Uh, when was the last time they made it? Nineteen eighty one. Yeah. So we would throw the Nerf football around, and we had different, I guess, patterns. You have like a post pattern, and see, I thought this was in baseball season. It was football season, though. Okay, it was. Okay. Yeah. So we would call out different areas in the newsroom, yes, right. like we have a cork bulletin yep. board. We'd call that right. out or. Hit the, I'll hit you at coat the coat rack. rack. Yep. Right. Yep. <laughs> so there was one where I, I called our reporter over to to hit the cork board as quick as possible. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw a bullet across the room. Well, unfortunately, it completely slipped out of my hands. But it didn't just slip out like where it came out early and would have went straight up into the ceiling. It slipped out and on the follow through got stuck on my fingers so the ball comes out on a on a line yep a better spiral than it should have been <laughs> i mean this, this thing is now cruising right toward a mug mm-hmm. that one of the reporters had on the computer tower of her desk is there liquid in this mug no empty mug okay. it is a mug that is bigger than a normal mug. I'd say it's almost... A, the, almost like a soup bowl-shaped correct, mug. Correct, exactly. Okay. It's oval like yeah. that, uh, about the size of two mugs, but that's perfect, like a bowl with a handle on it, there essentially. You go. All yellow with this black, smiley face, almost like the Walmart. Uh, the happy, yeah, the, the have a nice day, uh, exactly. I always say. A yeah. general, this, it's the smiley face. Right. So there's nothing in it. It's just sitting on the... So the ball is now traveling... Mm uncontrollably toward it. You see it coming. There's nothing right. you can do. It hits this stupid face right between the eyes. And let me tell you, 
it turned to powder. <laughs> this mug exploded. So you're saying it's not the best made mug out no, there, most well made. Okay. Let me tell you, if we were going to count the pieces, we'd still be yeah. counting them. This thing exploded <laughs> across the newsroom. So, you know, the first priority then becomes... And this is on someone's desk who's not currently at work. Correct. Right. They're not... Right. How do we cover it up? The first... The immediate priority is what else is broken? Nothing. Okay. The second priority is we got to clean this up. Yeah. Clean up the mess. Now it becomes how do we replace yeah. this? And how do I replace it in a way that she might not know? Because mm-hmm. this happened on a Friday night. Right. Yes. So I'm thinking to myself, if I can have this Monday on morning. her desk by Monday morning, right. I got a shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I scoured the internet for smiley face yes, bugs. You, you did, this? yeah. And what I found is that it was it's part of essentially like a gift basket kind of thing. Like it flowers come in flowers, it or fruit right, or whatever. That's yeah. why it's so big. Right. It, flowers come in it. Yep. So I saw it's it probably online. a lovely gift from her husband. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. I think now I'm thinking, what there's if there's meaning? What if, right. What if he gave her these flowers for like their anniversary right. or something? Yep. Like this is disaster. That's why she has the mug on her desk to right. remember those flowers. <laughs> oh no. So now I'm scouring the internet. Mm-hmm. I see a few on you know on sale with the flowers in them for like fifty dollars. Right. Like, well, this there's no crazy. Way. There's no way. So I finally find. Are you on selling. eBay? You're on eBay at this yeah, point, yeah. yeah. So I finally see where they're selling just the mug, and it's the same exact one. I could tell it was like twenty four ninety nine right. or something. Yes. So I'm like, well, whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. I got to get this thing. So I order it with the fastest shipping possible, yep. but it still wasn't going to be there by Monday. Okay. So I sent her an email because what I didn't want it to happen was she comes in Monday, says, where's my mug, sends out this big email. Now I have to tell right. her, and now everybody's going to know. Yeah, okay. Maybe I can get away with just saying, hey, hey. I'm sorry I broke this. A, a new one is on the way. A, yeah. And I think I sent the email like an unfortunate accident. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I sent her the email. Order the thing. Mm-hmm. She doesn't write me back for like days. I know. I now now it comes back to me. So now I'm getting I'm getting worried. Different shifts, right? So finally, I get the thing in the mail. I bring it in, put it on her desk, and I did get an email back from her eventually saying, you know, thank you for replacing it. Um, it really was nothing. It was like uh, just it was right. just it, yeah, flowers were in it, but yep. I just thought it was a cool mug, so I put it wasn't like a big special significance because I think I said in the email too, like I'm so sorry if this was you know had more meaning right. than okay. So, but so now, how much did you spend on it? Twenty four ninety nine. Right. So now time goes by, a couple of weeks, a week or two. Yeah, I don't even. I don't it think like it was a, that long. Maybe a week. Yeah. Okay. So everybody who was working that shift knew what happened including our our director at mm-hmm. the time. So he, for whatever reason, was at a flower shop in town, in Albany, so very close to our station, over that weekend. Right. So it must have been actually pretty close after that. Yeah. I think it was that same weekend. So this is just then the following week when I find out. He texts me a picture. <laughs> Apparently they had some kind of overflow on these mugs when they had ordered them <laughs> for flowers. So they were selling just the mugs at yep. this flower shop right. in boxes. 
they had, he texted me a picture, <laughs> stacks and stacks of these mugs in boxes for like five ninety nine. Oh, I think it was, it was even cheaper than that. Was it? Yeah. It was like $2.99. Uh, yeah, I think it was like ridiculous. <laughs> it was just the difference in right. what you spent to what you could was so ridiculous right. that it just jumped out. I don't you. I don't think I have the picture anymore because it's on an old phone, but no. I remember it being, it was to say it was like four ninety nine <laughs> right. or something, right? And I'm like, oh my God. I, not only could I have not paid that much money. You could have avoided the email. Yeah, could have went there that Saturday, bought it, replaced it, right. and had it on her desk. She never would have known. But that's damn. That's me. That's what I have coming. So just like Huge Johnson, yep. Just like the guy at the gym who yep. I may have insulted, right? Just like didn't I have one last week? I was apologizing to somebody. Well, yeah, the wedding. Just like the mother of the sixteen-year-old who I hit on, and I apologize to Sabrina, our reporter. The report. least significant of them all, really, in the grand scheme of things, right. and yet it's the only one that cost you the most. Well. Financially, that's what I mean. A lot of dignity. You don't have respect or dignity to lose. Good point. (laughs) It's it's got. You're like you're in the red now. We should add some dignity to the show here. How we do that? We bring in our guest. It's a great idea. Elaine Houston, a news anchor uh, whom we work with, and and this is exciting because we're going to be able to cover an array of topics. (laughs) As we had Jessica Layton on uh, to talk about news going on in, in the world in the past. You know, 12 months or so, we're going to talk to Elaine about a specific topic she covers, Shawnee. Right, exactly. Elaine is, well, Elaine is our education reporter at the right. station, but she also does segments called Today's Women, in which Elaine showcases local women who are just doing incredible things. So that, Elaine, welcome. Thanks Thank for you. being with us. Thank That's you, That's where we wanted to start this today. Um, I guess you, you've... Well, tell us a little bit about your background and what you've done in terms of covering women. Mm -hmm. Okay. So probably now I think it's been four years since I started working on Today's Women. And I'm very proud of it because it's something that I came up with, you know, an idea and I took to my boss. And I, I remember saying to him, you know, whenever we do stories on women, they're always in a jumpsuit or, hmm. you know, heading to jail or something because they've made a bad decision, their boyfriend has hurt their child, something like that. We never we never see women in any sort of light unless they're in trouble. And he had to think about that for a while, and he was like, okay. And I said, I want to do stories every week on women, the great things they're doing. I don't think that we realize that women are, you know, they have their own businesses, they are artistic, they're doing so many wonderful things, and, you know, look what next year we could possibly you know have a female president Mm -hmm. so uh women are in the forefront and i think with society and the way things are going now um a lot of women are the heads of households and i you know we've sort of society maybe frowned upon that you know years ago but i think now you can have a woman who you know has to be the plumber the provider the homework helper, all of these kinds of things, because that's just the way it is. And so women have such an influential role that I spoke to him about it. And he said, okay, let's try it. And I do one every week. So 52. Yeah. Yeah. So now 200 or so women. And um, I just uh, finished, you know, this weekend uh, when that we're 
taping this and talking to you guys, there's a Miss Wheelchair pageant in mm. Albany. And so I never tire of finding women who are doing great things, but I just wanted to kind of have that perspective out there that you may see women in a bad light, but women are doing great things. And so that's really how I got started. Two things to add. A funny story about a famous ESPN sportscaster, male sportscaster, who is at the top of the food chain now at ESPN. But when he first started at ESPN, his wife made much more money than he did. And people would ask him consistently, you know, don't you feel bad that your wife is making, you know, two, three times whatever you're making? And he said, no, I bought a BMW. <laughs> he was very comfortable with the fact that, right. you know, his wife was was doing just fine and yeah. that was, she was willing to put up with, with his dreams. And secondly, one of your one of the women you profiled in your feature, Elaine, uh, today's woman, is the woman who cuts my hair. Yes. Who, by the way, it, as we record this, is working New York Fashion Week. Fashion Week. week. Yeah, there have been enough compliments about <laughs> your hair on this podcast for us to know she is yeah. really a spectacular right. J.C. Waltz. Yes. Right. And oh, so, so creative and artistic. I mean, she's won awards because of uh, she's been allowed to not only, you know, make a living, but be artistic with it. And so I think that's what helped her to get to Fashion Week, mm. which is something that if you are in that business as a stylist, I mean, you're at the top if you get an opportunity to go to New York City to be a part of that. Yeah. So it's a it's a great accomplishment. So women's rights and the role women play in our society have come such great strides in the past four decades or so. But there are obviously still some challenges that women have to deal with today that men probably don't. What are some of those that, as you look at and say, we've come far, but maybe there's still some work to do? Well, I think just what we were talking about, you know, uh, look, this past weekend, uh, again, uh, not knowing exactly when this is, is going to air, but the governor was talking about $15 an hour for, um, he was saying for everyone, but, you know, people were protesting that fast food workers should get $15 an hour. I think it's money. I think that, as I was saying earlier, with women now, you know, it being okay, being understood and sort of accepted that you can have children, be married, get divorced. Now you're taking care of the entire family. Women need more money in order to take care of children. They need to be paid equal, the same amount of money, and we find that that's not happening. And so you would be surprised. I'm working on some, some things with education. There are a lot of kids who are homeless. Mm. And homelessness, in most people's minds, is that people are on the street, but that's not the definition of homelessness these days. You're at a relative's house with your kids, and you're couch hopping, you know. You stay there maybe for a couple of months, and Imagine sleeping on a sofa and having to get up as a child to get ready to go to school and not having a permanent address. So I think it's housing. I think it's all of those social things that, you know, you need in order to have a good start. I mean, I grew up with my own bed. You know, you guys probably had your own room. A lot of kids don't have that. And imagine that you're staying with this relative and you live with another relative. And I think so. it's those kinds of things is that women need to be paid a decent wage, a living wage, mm -hmm. not minimum wage, so that they can take care of kids because a lot of women are heads of, of, of households now and, and housing and, and just those kinds of things of training. It's, it's all of those. I mean, we just barely got out of the bad economic climate right. that we have. And a lot of people, part-time is a new normal. 
You know, they are working part-time jobs, not full-time jobs. And people sort of accept that you have a part-time job. But, I mean, can you imagine feeding yourself and two kids or, or more with part-time work? So I think it's those economic issues. And so that's why it's really interesting to see the, you know, presidential race and how it's kind of fanning out and to listen to Donald Trump and, you know, people talking about issues, but they're not the issues that everyday people, Mm. especially women, have to deal with because, you know, you may get a supplement food stamps from, um, you know, social services, but if you make a little more money, then they give you fewer food stamps. So it's sort of like a, a, a revolving, you know, door. You you do well, you get a raise, but it's not a it lot. It may not be enough. Yeah, right. and yeah. then you lose right. that cushion. And for people who think that, you know, only people who don't want to work are on food stamps, that's just another myth. There are families, husband, wife, two kids on food stamps because it's just food's very expensive. I mean, it's all of these things that I think – Um, perhaps people don't really think about. And it's those kinds of things that I think uh, impact women and, and, you know, are big problems for them. You mentioned the presidential race. So I wanted to ask you this question. You mentioned we could have a female president, a woman president. And not only that, but she would come immediately following the country's first black president. So I wanted to take you back to the time when, when you were in college. If somebody came up to you and said in the year 2008, in the year 2016, we're going to have a black president and we're going to have a woman president. Which would have, I don't want to say surprised you more, but which would have made you say, you know what, maybe I didn't see that one coming before the other or vice versa, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And it's really interesting because it's in a way, it's almost neck and neck. But I think probably having an African American president would would have seemed to me very strange. But I think just as many people, maybe not just as many people, but some people still have the belief that women just aren't as smart, you know, just aren't as intelligent, and don't have that ability. If we were found ourselves needing to go to war, or those kinds of things to be able to protect the country and those kinds of things. And you hear some of those things, and we know that that's just, that's just not true. So I think perhaps it was the African-American, you know, that. But look, we did. And not only that, people voted for him twice. And I was there at the inauguration the first time. So it was, it, 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 it's, we've done a lot of great things. And I think that when people really think about it. Other countries already have women presidents. Mm-hmm. They already have female presidents. It's not a big deal. And they sort of look at us as like, what is the big deal? Why, you know, why are we doing this? And so I think that um, we, society sort of has to get rid of that belief that women don't, you know, aren't capable of leading the country when we know that when women sit at the table, their priorities usually it's not to um, make their mark on history. It's to get something accomplished. Women just, they look at things a little bit differently than men, which is not pitting men against women when it comes to leadership. But I remember I was in Africa, uh, uh, in South Africa. I was in, yeah, I was in South Africa. And uh, I was in a cab with a guy, and I was just talking to him, the cab driver, and I said, 
who's the smartest, you or your wife? And he says, well, definitely my wife. Yeah. You know, he says, if if my wife wasn't there and, and I had the money, honestly, I would go out with my buddies. But my wife keeps the house moving. She keeps mm-hmm. it going. And I think people know that about women, that women just have that ability. And you think about your moms, just have that ability to do, to multitask, to do a lot of things, to accomplish things, to get things done, which does not say that men don't. But I think just their mindset of finish this, move on, work together. And we see that that doesn't always happen in Congress, where you have people sitting across the aisle. It's all about, you know, if, you know, their particular bill or something that is, you know, specifically for them. It's not necessarily how can we work together and make things happen for, you know, more than one person. So I think women lead differently. So you are originally from the St. Louis area? Yes, I grew up in St. Louis. Yeah. So obviously, and Ferguson is a topic that we had talked about with Jessica. Uh, So you have a more personal connection to that in that that happened near where you're from. Right. And, I mean, we can't just ignore, obviously, the the racial element as well, Elaine, right? I mean, one of my questions was going to be, as a country, have we come farther in terms of accepting women as equals or, or accepting people of other backgrounds, other races, non-whites. I think we accept women over, I think we have our race issue is a big issue. And I think, you know, I think it's a scary issue because it's gotten so, you know, um, touch, people are so touchy that, you know, if I think that you you may not have any tendencies, you may, it may not be a, a racist situation, but everybody is so on edge mm-hmm. now that, you know, if you say something, like now we are going through looking at TV programs and, and seeing, you know, taking out, taking the flags from Daytona and, you know, we are trying to correct things. Yep. And I think that it, that, that, you know, we, we don't want to be labeled as racist, it's something that we think that we're just making a joke or, you know, it's just a, it's just for fun. And I think, uh, you know, sometimes we're on edge because of that. And it's hard for us. I think the president tried to uh, talk about it, and he's tried to talk about it a couple of times. But I think that uh, we have a long way to go. But I think that we've done a lot of great things. I mean, we elected a president. We've done a lot of great things. Uh, you know, I grew up with a single mom. I lived in a housing project when I was growing up for probably four or five years. But look at me. I have a master's degree. (laughs) You know, I mean, I've written a book. I've been to 12 countries. I've done all of these great things. And I've I've been able to do those because I live in a great country and I've been able to work hard and you know, accomplish things. So I, I, I think I love my country, and I think that we, um, we're doing a lot of great things. But I think that when it comes to race, everybody has to kind of sit back for a second and just hold on and let, let one another speak their truth. And don't hate me because I feel this way. Don't, don't feel that you can't express what you feel and let me tell you how that makes me feel. And I think it's that kind of thing that we brand sometimes people racist when they're really not. They have just never had the opportunity to be around people and they don't have the intention in their heart to hate people. But I think we kind of, 
you know, have that that problem that we we kind of oh you must be a racist because you felt bad. Mm-hmm. I think I think there's a room on both sides for us to sort of examine ourselves and I think that's what makes it so volatile if you will. Yeah, I was going to say it is a volatile topic no doubt about it and that I think that's so well said and Shawnee, I just wanted to get to that. I cut you off from no, your original fine. point yeah. about Ferguson. Yeah, well and and that's really along the same lines but what I what I was going to ask was when you see events like that unfolding in Ferguson and it seems like you're watching television during the civil rights movement. I mean, yeah, it doesn't seem like we, this doesn't seem like that should right. be happening in the 2000s. But when you see something like that happening today, what's the biggest thing to take away from it that we can learn from it? Well, I think what you have to remember, and especially in Ferguson, St. Louis City is a metropolitan city. With a, it's a huge city, but along St. Louis are all these tiny little suburbs and all these tiny little suburbs were predominantly white and when blacks started moving in the suburbs the the legislature the 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 governing body of those towns didn't change they remained white mm. but more blacks were moving because they made more money they wanted better housing they moved to the suburbs and people who lived in the suburbs who were primarily white in those areas moved away but the governing body didn't, and so that kept. I mean, when you think about Ferguson, you're you're seeing that uh, the police department. I I you know, and I I don't remember the exact number, but I think there might have been sixty or seventy, and three were black. Yeah. So I'm just saying to you, it didn't change the government there, and so people didn't have jobs. People didn't get an opportunity to um, you know be in government, and so. The same things that they were keeping people out of remain. The structure is what I'm Mm -hmm. trying to say, the systemic part of it. And that didn't change. And to be honest with you, when I was living in St. Louis, those were towns you knew. Ferguson, there's like four or five little towns. Like, here's Ferguson. My brother lives in a town right next to Ferguson. And all of those towns, there's Jennings and all those little towns, you knew not to go through those towns because you would be arrested. And that's what really got me was that to we, this day, to this day? The, well, when we were growing okay. up, that was the thing was like, don't go through those towns because they're all white. And if you go through them, you're going to get stopped and you're going to get beaten. You know, those were the stories yeah. and you knew that. So for it to happen in Ferguson was like, mm. this is not new. This has been happening all along. And um, people don't have any, you know, say so in those areas. They don't. They're, I mean, you look at Albany. I mean, you know, you see African-Americans, you see Asians, you see, you just didn't see that in those little small towns. And so it was sort of like expected that something bad was going to happen because it was them against us kind of thing. You know, the people there felt that they were the them and the police Mm -hmm. were the ones that were against them. And Missouri is a can be southern. I mean, it's a Midwest, and um, it, St. Louis may be cosmopolitan, and it may be a big, you know, place, but it has a very southern feel. Yes. Yeah, very if you southern go feel. There, yes. it's, it's, and I was surprised it, when I yes. visited; I couldn't believe because you you don't think of it on a map that it is as close to the south as it really is. Yes, not far from Memphis, right? And then there's Arkansas, yeah. and you're in Mississippi. Yep. And let me tell you, when we were little, we would go to Mississippi to see my my aunt and uncle, and they raised my mom. And I remember specifically, we were driving Mississippi and just driving on the highway, and my mother got ahead of a trooper, 
and he motioned for her to get back. I mean, you couldn't even, just in driving, mm. don't advance in front of me, you wait. And we did, we backed up. And I remember when we were there, we were saying yes ma'am and yes sir to people. And so, so Missouri is not that far. St. Louis is not Southern Missouri, but it's not right. far from there. And yeah. it still has that feel. And I'm, honestly, I, I'm not surprised by what happened in wow. Ferguson. So what's, what's the biggest source of racism? Is it upbringing? Is it how someone is raised? Is it a lack of upbringing? I think that, you know, you have a family and you have, you're, you're raised a certain way, but your kids, the next generation, if that's not, if, if you know what, when you go to college, your life changes. Yep. Because when you go to college, people from all over are there. And whatever you felt about people, nine times out of ten, they're your roommate Mm -hmm. now. And you realize, you begin to realize that people are really people. And there is where you have lots of bonds with people and you you meet them and things are different. Well, not everybody goes to college. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Uh, Anheuser-Busch rules the roost in Mm -hmm. St. Louis. And that's in the southern part of St. Louis. And you could get beaten up there, too, if you were black, if you went to South St. Louis. I'm just saying to you that it's the gen- it's a gen- to me, it's a generational thing. I think if you, don't, if, you, if, you, if you work in the breweries, very few blacks could work there. You hardly ever see any blacks. Mm. You, know, you know what I mean? You're right. not around people. You don't know that, that they have things to offer. And I don't, I don't think that in many instances that has changed a whole lot because it's, ve- it's a very union unionized, yep. you know, city, sure. if you will. I remember working, getting out of college, and I couldn't get a job. I worked for Coors Beer. <laughs> Coors Beer, the guys got beaten up every day on the trucks. They would, like, slash the tires and everything because Anheuser-Busch was a union wow. company, yeah. and Coors yeah. from Colorado was not. Yeah. And so I'm just saying, just like, you know, you know, just, just, just like companies that <laughs> – if you're not union, people right. wouldn't accept right. you. People don't accept you if they don't know about you. You're black and you live in North Side, North St. Louis. You're white and you live in South St. Louis. We li- I live in North St. Louis, yep. you know? So I'm saying when you don't get out of that, when you can't get beyond that, if you don't get an education, if you don't go to college, if you, you know, if you don't own yourself, if you don't own your own life, if you don't get to set up your family after the next generation, I think that breeds itself and it's over and over again. And I, racism is taught. It's not, you don't, you know, you're taught to be a racist. Mm-hmm. You're, it doesn't, it's not, you don't, you're not born and you're a racist. Right. So it's a great point though, because, you know, I was, I raised very well to treat everyone equally. But I was raised in a small town that was almost all white. I mean, there there were 80-something kids in my graduating class, and I think we had two African-Americans. And there's no question that when you go to college, it's a different world. It is the whole world, oftentimes, in terms of the ethnicities and the kinds of people who you're going to meet. But I think that speaks to just how important education is. Because a lot of people are going to be... I don't want to say stuck, but raised in that kind of environment. And if we could send them to college. And, you know, maybe we, 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 by our experiences, we make this seem simplistic. It's not simplistic, but it's just a point of what I'm saying is, is, is and, and you were saying that too about where you grew up, is that if you don't ever get out and you don't ever meet anybody. I remember when we went to China. Hmm. I mean, you know, first of all, all we had heard about was communist China, and right. you know, I was a little nervous about it. But I mean, the people were so wonderful, so kind. 
uh, artistic everywhere you went. I mean, every they do everything huge. I mean, you know, the whole town, wherever we went, was always colorful and banners and things. I mean, that kind of thing that I got to learn to respect people for what they can offer and who they are. And that's what I mean. All these countries that I've gone to, I've gotten to meet people. And I think if you lived in Ferguson and you never go anywhere and you've never been anywhere, black or white, whichever side you're on, all you know is what you've grown up in, black or white. And if you were born into we are better than they mm -hmm. are, you still believe that regardless of all of the great accomplishments, you know, uh, I was just thinking of Michael Jordan, you know, when I went to Chicago and it, this is the house that Jordan built, you know, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Even if you see that, even if you see people who are athletes who are doing really well, who people love, if you are, this is your town and you don't have that, some of that Right, mindset. and that's that's not accessible, and that becomes you know the the quote unquote way out is to just go be LeBron James. Well, not right. you can't just go be LeBron James. Right. You can't just go be Michael Jordan. Right. Um, uh, but almost a little bit of a, a moment of levity on this, Elaine, is you know you talked about your trip to China. I went to China as well, right around the same time. Yeah. Uh, you and I both did, and I'm in a country of people who I look nothing like. <laughs> Me and too. they are they are looking at me like who is this exactly two white redheaded guy like I, you know I was you know for the lack of I mean I was a freak over there really. right me you know, too I, though they'd never seen it it, it it appeared that way anyway yeah and it's interesting that you say that because as we were the group that I went it was probably fifty of us um, that went together we could hear them taking pictures yeah, of us. Right? Yes. And we would turn and say, what's going on? And we would ask our, our travel guide, and she said to us, they've never seen black people only in the movies. Yeah. They get yeah. old movies. And she said they didn't really think you were real. And we motioned to them to come sit with us. And a, a woman with us had braids, and they... They touched her hair. They'd never seen anything and like this at all. And a lot of that was right. Was out of outside of Beijing. Yes. Um, and then you know, I went to Hong Kong as well, which uh, that is very. I didn't it, go to. Hong I, don't, Kong. I can't say Americanized, yeah. but it, it feels like an American city. The and, British had it for right, so long. Exactly. And and there, I didn't feel like it's so much of an yeah. outsider. But you know, not making any comparison because never did I feel like I was. You know, there were, I was in any kind of harm's way, no. or they looked down on me in any way. No, but you're no, right; no. it was it was taking pictures because they were then had to show proof that, that, they, look, look that these we people were real. Like, yeah, yeah right. that they had seen people that looked like this. Because remember, they've been a closed country yeah. until what the last twenty, maybe thirty years when Nixon went, maybe a little bit longer than right. that went. But I'm saying to you, everybody in their country looks just like yes. them. Yeah, sure. So regardless, or if you're in the north or south, if you're rural, wherever, everybody looks the same. So to see us they were we, we would hear the the we, we would hear the pictures going off with the flash we're like and when we turned around it wasn't there we were like what is that that's great i love that uh you would kind of mention one thing that i wanted to touch on with seeing in, in chicago you know the house that jordan built right yeah and it's funny because i've always one of the things that i've always really liked about sports is that it doesn't matter nope. what size, shape, color. It doesn't matter what right? you look like. If you nope. are you were on that same team, you could. It's like if 
that's the one thing you have in common. Mm-hmm. You're all working together for one goal, and it's such a small example. It's just a game, but what it represents, right. I think, is so significant. That's why I love sports. And I love the fact that the movie Remember the Titans is based on a true story because it, it depicts what you're saying to the T. You know, I mean, that is where they're divided at the beginning and they all come together, right. obviously, for one common good then was to try to win football games. But but right. it developed friendships. You out could of that. have a city that's all one race. If they have a sports team and they have one person on that team who's the other race, yes. they may they may have so much tension and problem right. outside right. the right. arena. Yep. And that person's on the free throw line to win them the game. Right. They're, they're the re- biggest supporters yes. in yeah. the world. And yeah. that's a, a strong power that that has. Yeah. And I think you mentioned, you mentioned, you know, exactly, you know, the phrase and that working together. But blacks and whites in Ferguson were not working together. Right. You stayed in your place considered a place, quote, you know, this is where you live and this is where you live. And that just didn't happen. And so when it, you know, when it boiled over, it was just like, they don't care about Mm -hmm. us. So why should we not burn things down? When we go in, we can't get a job in this store. You know, I mean, I remember sitting looking at the looting and I just thought, how is that helping anything? But the mentality is they never help us. They don't want us. They treat us a certain Mm -hmm. way. They being one side, you know, the looters being the other side. And when you don't work together, I mean, you have to work together. When you don't come together, when you have no commonality, there's no reason for you to get along. right. Now to our fun segment. We have to do this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, we do. We've talked about it for a while here. We've been looking forward to it for a long time. And uh, Elaine receives, I would imagine most on-air personalities across the country at TV stations receive fan mail, letters, emails now of of, you? of whatever kind. Uh, emails. Okay, sure. Emails. Um, but... Elaine has received for the past 10 years or so handwritten, good penmanship by many of them, by the way, handwritten notes, letters from inmates. Prison inmates. And and more than a few of them are love letters, I would say. <laughs> they love you. They're admirers. Elaine, this is true. We all do. But <laughs> right. Yeah, these, so, some of these are incredible. And you said... At, oh, at least 50, you would say, over the years? Yeah, I think I have that many. And, it's you unbelievable. Know, I think that... Uh, from all different facilities, d- different inmates from different facilities. Yes, different uh, inmates from different correctional facilities. And, you know, uh, I would say probably 60, 50, maybe half are people who are writing to say that they didn't do the crime that sure. they have been um, convicted of and um, they want to get out, but uh, and they want you to try and research and help them and, you know, make sure that justice prevails. But then there are those that are just... I don't want to say romantic. I don't really oh, know. They how to- oh, they are. We've read them, There's and romance. we will read a few yeah, yeah. here. There are. Let me tell you something. I mean, some of these could help out, you know, like high school boys the as they try to woo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or, or uh, adults in their late 20s, early 30s. Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> We're all open to help. That's We're correct. all open to help. So you've got one there that's this is a in poem. a poem form. This is a poem. Okay. Um, and it's got a title. What's the title? To know all is to forgive all. 
If I knew you and you knew me, if both of us could clearly see, and with an inner sight divine, the meaning of your heart and mine, I'm sure that we would differ less and clasp our hands in friendliness. Our thoughts would pleasantly agree if I knew you and you knew me. Now, that's a very nice poem. It is. I, it is. Uh, let, me, let me pick out some, some other highlights here. <laughs> if I knew you and you knew me, as each one knows his own self, we could look each other in the face and see therein a truer grace. So many thorns for every rose, the why of things our hearts would see if I knew you and you knew me. Now, when you open that and you read that kind of poem, you think to yourself... It's on a lovely little card here. You think to yourself, wow, I'm flattered. Wow, what's wrong with this person? Wow, what do you think when you read that? I really... I, sometimes I don't know what to say because when you see that, you know that I'm never going to see that person. Right. I'm never going to respond to that person. I'm never going to... You don't respond to any of them, right? No, I don't. And I said, you know, when we were talking about coming on and talking to you guys that I would divulge something here. And what I want to divulge is that when I was in journalism school, I went to SIU Carbondale. And graduated. Gail Sayers graduated from that. Oh, too. that's cool. Southern Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I worked on the school Gail newspaper. <laughs> I worked on the school newspaper, and in there was an was a, a plea from a prisoner saying, "I'm lonely. I just want a pen pal." I was 18. I wrote him back mm. as a pen pal. However, I stopped writing them because the letter started getting sexual, and he wrote me a letter and said that. When I get out, I'm going to kill you. You don't want to write me back, that kind of thing. So that plays into me not answering sure. any of these. Sure. I don't blame you. And so when I get these letters from prisoners, I, you know, I'm not going to write back to them because of my experience with that. And again, I was very young, and I thought I was doing something altruistic that I was writing this guy back. But what I'm saying to you is that um, if you are locked up. I, I actually was in a jail once for a story. A maximum, a medium security prison in a town that I lived in had just opened up, and they were inviting reporters in because a town people were nervous that the prisoners could get out. And I was in there, and I spent a night in there. And I remember mm. waking up, realizing I was in jail. Now I am five ten, so I'm pretty tall, and the cell wasn't there wasn't much. I mean, I could touch it. Yeah. And the, that day that we were leaving, they were bringing in the real prisoners. And I thought to myself, how do you spend part of your life in this place? Right. So I'm saying all that and setting that up to say that when I get these, there may be some, some that are comical, but I sort of just feel sorry or feel badly. Okay, Sean, you've got <laughs> a letter as well. Oh, do I? And we've rifled through, you know, it's, Elaine, you, you, know, you told your story about... Um, being back in college and the, and the letters you received as you traded some back and forth. But the ones that we've rifled through, and, and you can attest to this having read all of them, they're all very friendly. And a lot of them are saying, I'm innocent, but but thank you for reporting on stories like mine anyway. Yeah, they are They are not, uh, there's no, they're not threatening at all. Right. And I think, you know, it's just therapeutic for them. First of all, it's something to do. Sure. Right? And it's just... Just them probably envisioning you reading it is enough for them to write it. They don't necessarily need the response, although whatever. But anyway, yes, we've got one here. <laughs> we've got one. 
Dear Miss Houston, mm-hmm. I won't read the whole thing, but I'll, here's the beginning of it. May this letter find you feeling at your very best spiritually, mentally, and physically. I hope my invasion of your privacy does not find you unwilling to be open-minded. Immediate acknowledgement of invading the privacy. Okay. But you excite me to the point of infatuation. Oh, boy. Not only with your beauty, but also your maturity of being a beautiful black queen and older woman. A beautiful black queen. I like that. Please don't be offended. And older woman. Well, I was going to gloss over that one. Well, listen, he couches it here. Please don't be offended by that statement. Oh, good. Good. Well, now everything's okay. Right. (laughs) Uh, let's see here. Then he kind of explains himself. He says he's in for a robbery that he didn't commit. Uh, you're a news correspondent. He really likes you. And we've said we said at the beginning of the podcast that one of the nicknames you've been given is... Luscious Dish of Information. There it is. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Have you been called anything better? Well, <laughs> I mean that is pretty flattering. <laughs> no, I think that's that's yeah. No man has ever called me anything that nice. I guess I don't know. <laughs> well, we have almost nicer Uh-oh. here. Ooh. Yeah, a lot of times when people like myself reach out to a supermodel, beautiful black woman, now like that yourself, beats it. Yeah, that beats it. <laughs> doors seem to close in my face if the person doesn't already know me before I'm allowed to prove my worth. From my letter to you, you should be able to tell that I know what a woman's worth is because I'm writing to the most beautiful woman on TV. Smile, in parentheses. Flattery... He went handwritten emoji. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Flattery might not get me nowhere, but the truth should set me free. So hopefully you got a little cougar in you. Then he actually drew... Then he actually drew the smiley face. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Then he drew the emoji. Um... So hopefully you don't mind being a mentor for me. <laughs> what? These are gold. First of all, Lane, you're the same age as this guy here. I don't know what he's saying. Right. And what is the well, one? Well, I guess I just look older. I look more mature. E, no, what's the one you have in front of you there? The one that I have here. Um. Well, here, here's his here's his okay. encouragement to have her write back. Oh, good. So I hope and pray that you will write me back. What is 44 cents in five minutes of your time to meet a real true friend that you can conversate with about anything? And I won't judge you, good or bad. All right. Is a stamp 44 cents now? Well, it was. It's like 51 now. Is that 49? Remember, this wasn't 2015 that I'm looking at the date there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know what? If we are if we if we are serious for just a little bit about these, yeah. imagine. Um, I think the president, maybe it was two months ago, he pardoned some people. Mm-hmm. He pardoned people who had uh, committed drug offenses that were not violent, and who had been given sentences of thirty right. years plus, something along that line. So imagine. He was saying either way, they would have done their time now. They would have already done it almost double mm. what we have. So what what do we do with people who create, who commit offenses that are not violent? I mean, I bet you some of the people who wrote me, they're doing some hard time. Sure. And so, you know, that's another area that we don't want to – that we haven't addressed is what do we do with all of the people who are locked up, especially people 
who are locked up for crimes that are not violent, and especially the population, which is my, mainly minority mm. population of, of inmates, you know, it's disproportionate. I mean, that's another issue. So I can imagine that if you, you know, who have we not seen on television? If we we're honest, at, we're watching a show or a series we like, you know, we, we have some affection for or whatever. We're not going to write them. Sure. Right. But... The, I also wouldn't call a news station. I mean, we get calls yeah, all the time, too, exactly and it's just a different people. kind right. of, yeah. So when I get these letters, I'm sort of like, we are the people that they see. Yeah. They are in there for a very long time. And as you're saying, um, they probably know that I'm not going to write back. Maybe there's a, po- a small possibility that I could, they might think. So when you get these, you're sort of, like I said, it's, it's, you're sort of sad. They, they might be a little bit humorous, but you're sort of sad at the same time because you're saying to yourself, wow. But you can't even imagine being what it's in like. that yeah, position. And double bonked and, you know, it's a totally different world. There's, there's no question. Yeah. And you've seen it for stories and whatnot. I've, I've not. Yeah. I mean, I've been to prisons, not inside them really. So I, right can only imagine and you know you see these they do have like different reality shows that sure. kind of give you an idea yeah. to some degree but all of those are very you know pre-organized and, and look i'm sorry to interrupt no, Chris, but look we have a lot of prisons not only do we have the albany county correction facility we have cooksaki green mm-hmm. meadow we have Danamora. Yep. I mean, we have a lot, and we our range as far as how far people can see us is pretty far yep. oh, yeah. so in a way it's not surprising that I get these letters because they do come sure. from totally different correctional facilities. So I think that when you think about it, I mean, I'm always still shocked by them. When I get one, I'm like, uh-oh, what's that? You know? But I think that we have a lot, and I think that they watch us. And what's the chance of maybe she'll write me back? Right. And a lot, you know, a lot of the nonviolent crimes, which you talked about, Elaine, I think a lot of those circle back to education maybe there's just no better way out or no better way to create money we're talking about drugs obviously you know and that that is an issue that that needs to be addressed one thing we do to wrap up every podcast elaine is called what are you reading what are you watching what are you listening to so maybe you're not doing one of all three but but maybe there's one you'd like to share with our audience that you uh, a recommend if you will of a a tv show a movie a book a magazine or uh, a a great podcast like this or music you're listening to what are you listening to right now like when you get in the car what's on the radio you know i don't listen to the radio very much i usually listen to cds and i'm listening to a little bit of everything michael buble i mean i like him Uh, I'm sort of mixing it up with a little um, jazz. I'm doing a little bit of B.B. King. Okay. Uh, Nina Simone. Yeah. So it's sort of like a little bit of everything. And I'm into Netflix right now. I'm mm. really watching a lot of Netflix. and um, Like House of Cards or movies, other shows on Netflix? Movies and other shows. Yeah. And then I go to the movies a lot. I saw last night The Perfect Boyfriend or The Perfect... The Perfect Guy. Yes. I don't know I that was, one. was about me. Yeah, <laughs> something tells me this guy ends up uh, harassing and killing someone, <laughs> sending letters yeah. to Elaine from a correctional facility. 
exactly. That's what I'm reading. Not to jump in. I'll be reading the whole stack of these. We have more on the table here. This is what we'll be reading for sure. The perfect guy. Is that thumbs up? Should people go watch that? You know what it is? It's just, you you know what's going to happen. It's just this this guy who... Spoiler alert here? Yeah, 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 spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Turn off. He's a a psycho. And he meets this girl. And she thinks he's great until until he gets gas and a guy comes along and looks at the car. He has a a nice sports car. And she says, oh, yeah, my boyfriend's in there for paying for the gas. Um, he goes, wow, this is really vintage. Can I take a picture? And she's like, yeah. And, and the boyfriend she just met comes out and sees the guy and pummels him. Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh, I don't think this is a relationship for me. And he's yeah. like, if I can't have you, no one will have you. So All right. That's the movie. Mm-hmm. Like the it. perfect guy. Okay. <laughs> so that's what you're watching? You reading any good books? Uh, no, because do you know? did you know that I have a website? You should promote it. I Wait do know that you minute. have one, but... <laughs> So I'm this. usually yeah. writing stories for that I'm, when I'm not here. ElaineHouston.com. Well, that's what everyone who's listening should now be reading. That's correct. Good. Exactly right. Good. Okay. Cool. Like short stories, E? What are we writing on I'm there? writing about women around the world. Okay. I have this great story on a woman from Utah. I wish we had more time, but she she created this, this gadget that goes in your drain. She... She used to floss uh-huh. in her shower. Floss went down the drain, and she thought it was a, a gopher one day. Her hair had trapped around this. Whoa. She created this thing called the drain wig. She has an infomercial out about it. And I saw the infomercial. <laughs> this is incredible. It's like a dump cake commercial. I want to see incredible. So go to my website and see yeah. the story. ElaineHouston.com. <laughs> Elaine, thank you so much you for doing the podcast. Thank you uh, for having Stooping me. to our level. <laughs> and not only that, but sharing really, you know, any letter is personal. And so letting us have a little bit of fun and, and a, a peek inside to your personal life with, with some of these letters, uh, I think people will enjoy it. As we say, it takes a true friend to come on. Exactly. So thank you. Yes. Thanks for putting up with us. Thank you, guys. We have six friends. Six <laughs> episodes, six friends. This is it. <laughs> That's the finale. it. Yep. Yeah. This is It's all over now. <laughs> Thanks, Lane. Thanks, guys. Thanks, E. All right, Shawnee. Watching, reading, listening. Well, this is week one of the NFL season. I'm yeah. watching a lot of football. No doubt. Double header on Monday night. That's big. Yeah, that's great. And the Giants on Sunday night yep. as well. So it'd be fun. Enough football to watch, certainly. Uh, I'm still going to attempt to watch The Wire. I've not uh, delved into one And you've had people yet. telling you, uh, this is what I'm worried about, is that you're going to listen to the people who are telling you not to watch it because it's not as good it as took at a different, it took place at a different television time. Not everything's mm. HD. It's just, it's just. Yeah, but that, don't, that won't bother me. Okay. Yeah, well, it won't. The, the characters and the storylines are unbeatable. I don't care if it's black and white. One thing that I watched that you have to rewatch is Jimmy Fallon yeah, this week. Uh, our buddy Josh at the station made a good point. He brought out the big guns for Colbert's debut week um, on CBS. So, yeah, it was he had Jimmy Fallon and Ellen on the same show. Justin or, I'm Timberlake. Sorry, Justin Timberlake on with Ellen, and he did, they did History of Rap 6. Which Incredible. Is, it, it was just great. It's a good episode, and uh, that's worth watching. As far as what I'm reading, I truthfully am going to go read some of those. Elaine no letters. They are, yeah, entertaining to a point, but like Elaine said, they're insightful too because they do open a window mm-hmm. for you that you may not get to look through. So 
check out some of those. And what am I listening to? Probably, probably not much. Continuing to listen to the same podcast that I listen to every week. Yep. Uh, the Weekly Planet. And I'll listen to this because I want to rehear what Elaine had to say. I found out that Bob Lee of ESPN is now doing a podcast. I'm going to listen to that. I think he's a super smart guy um, in sports journalism. I admire that. Um, I'm going to read things on ElaineHouston.com. I didn't know there was a website till right now. I'm going to read some of those stories about the the drain Drain wig. The drain wig. Good God. Uh, I'll read some of those stories. And... Um, watching, I watched the movie Mad Max. Oh, you did? Knew my girlfriend wouldn't want to watch it, so I had time. I'm like, you know what, I'll watch this. Okay, I heard, heard good things from people we work with. Uh, it was good. Interesting. Yeah. It's not my genre, really, but but it was entertaining. Right. What The way I said was, if you like Mad Max movies to begin with, you're going to really like this yep. one as the next installment. I had never seen a Mad Max before. Okay. Yeah, then I think it's just an okay movie. I was a little in the dark on that. Yeah, uh, Movies coming out. I saw the trailer for the uh, movie Concussion coming mm-hmm. out. I think Sony Pictures, and I believe even some modifications were made to the movie based on the NFL and Sony's relationship. So it would be kind of okay. interesting to see what was left in and maybe find out what was taken out. Sure. Will Smith is in that one. Another good movie coming up. It's still a ways out, but uh, Spectre, the new James Bond movie. Yeah, and I can't wait for Bridge of Spies with Tom Hanks. Right, and that's even soon. That's going to be awesome. I think. Or is that Christmas? No, I think it's November or October. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Cool. All right. Hey, episode six in the books. Another one down, another great guest, and we will look forward to another week. Yeah, we've had complaints that we haven't teased ahead to our next guest in certain episodes. That's because we don't know what the hell we're doing next week, okay? That's right. So just back off. Exactly. <laughs> Look, we've gotten one so far every week, right. even though fewer yeah, slammed in at, at some the last point, day possible. Yeah, at some point we're going to slip up here and you're going to listen to the podcast and there won't be a guest. Ooh, and you'll that? say, my God, that was an hour of just the two of those idiots. Oh, boy. That could happen. And, uh, and now for a moment uh, from our sponsors. Exactly. We don't have any. Right. Okay. That's episode six. Back at it next week. Talk to you then.